Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Royalden Verse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. To preface again, because I think I'm going to need to do this at the beginning, I love the Percy Jackson books. I just enjoy also being critical because that's just how my mind works. I love the books, that is all. Now, today we continue our timeline journey with The Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 9, I Scoop Poop, and Chapter 10, we play the game show of death. As always, I have my points to focus on, so today we've got characters, fight scenes, story, and generally what I thought of it. But, to begin, here's the synopsis. With monster fights, Gary stews, more monsters, and emotional denial, our gang really have absolutely no luck until a mechanical spider leads them to more monsters to fight. I think I'm finding a pattern here. And that is pretty much the overview for chapter 9 and chapter 10. Oh gosh, we've got a lot to talk about today, guys. So let's just dive right in. Let us start with chapter 9 I Scoop Poop. And here is the overview for chapter 9. Dang, Percy, you got to learn not to stereotype people. At least we know he's a good enough guy to not bully someone, I guess. Even with clear instructions, however, our seaweed brain still doesn't know what to do. Ultimate power! is a little too much and he nearly couldn't stop it. Always got to get the contract in writing, my friend. I think that's pretty much the message here. Followed by another monster fight that ends with Gary Stu's success levels. Before we continue, it's time for a seance. And I have a feeling this one isn't going to go particularly well. And that's pretty much the overview for chapter 9. Oh my gosh. So even though I've got a lot to say about this chapter, nothing happens in this chapter. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Okay. So what I'm going to talk about for this chapter in particular is looking at the character of Percy and also the fight scenes because, wow. But let's start with Percy because obviously he is our main dude. So this chapter honestly to me just showed Percy as incompetent and I think I'm finding a pattern with this. Because not only is he being shown as incompetent and kind of dumb, they're also showing him as being a sort of Gary Stu character at the same time which like doesn't make any sense like how can someone be an idiot but then somehow be perfect at anything that they try without really trying like what 
Like not only was he somehow not able to comprehend the very clearly stated instructions of the naiad, who gives him the shells and says that the water is always with them and always travels with them, and that these shells are from when this area wa- was the ocean. Like, how does he not make that connection that these shells are how he's o- going to be able to bring water to clean the stables? She like, she literally basically says it. Yes, it's not direct like, hey, just throw these down and water will spurt, but no, nothing's that easy. But still, it's very clear <laughs> that he's got to figure it out and yet he gets up and he's like, oh, what am I going to do with these? And throws it in annoyance. So I'm like, that in itself, firstly, is the Gary Stu moment that he figures it out. Like, he does it, and then it happens. But, like, if he, he's going to have some semblance of intelligence, and he just keeps not getting that. Like, he keeps ending up being somewhat of an idiot who just happens to randomly be really skilled without actually having any training whatsoever. <sighs> okay, yes, like I said, maybe he, maybe he didn't know what she meant to the level of, like, you know, throwing them down for it to start, but, like... It really wasn't that difficult to figure out that the shells were the answer. Like, the only interesting thing was this new element of him not being able to shut off his powers and this thing of like, he's always had this tugging in his stomach for when he's used his abilities, but this time was the first time that it was like painful and that he's, he obviously, he, it only got painful because it was so powerful. But then the, the sort of adrenaline rush that came from it was also a lot of fun, but then he wasn't able to stop it until he started screaming to see you to stop. So it's it was an interesting inclusion, but the only reason <laughs> that's the only firstly interesting thing that happens in this chapter, and it just like everything that I'm finding at the moment just feels like something that is foreshadowing something that will happen later on. Like maybe he's not able to stop it later on. So this this scene is literally holds no significance to what's actually happening here. All it is is just a foreshadowing. So this whole cleaning the stools, firstly, is literally just to repeat something that actually happened in mythology, which I'm getting really sick of it. I know there's the whole point of like of Luke's argument, but the fact it's never looked at again either, that Percy is doing so many of the same things that previous heroes have done and just repeating history. And the fact that he doesn't then comprehend, like, hey, this is exactly what Luke was frustrated about, was that everything just repeated, there was nothing done differently, everything just kind of kept happening again and again, and the frustration that comes from that makes sense, because that is what's happening, but then it's not analysed, it's not discussed, like, why is, like, Percy even says, I know Hercules did this, Percy is, well, it should be Heracles, but whatever, because that's the Greek version, but no one actually says it. I just I just I wish that these stories had a little bit more depth in that regard like that was a huge thing as to why Luke was frustrated with being a demigod and following the gods was because they just kept doing the same thing and nothing ever changed and Percy's journey is literally proof of that but we never actually get that analysis of the fact that it is following the same format as everything that came in the past. Like, sh- like, Percy should be frustrated by that he's doing the exact same thing that other heroes have done. And it's mentioned multiple times. So he's doing the thing Hercules here is doing in the next chapter. It's mentioned about his whole thing that's, uh, oh God, what's his name? 
Theseus, I think. Theseus did with a Minotaur. Like, he's done everything that nearly every hero known has done and has just repeated it. He's doing the same thing, but it's never looked at in that lens, which is frustrating. Because I think that relationship and bond needs to be built up between Percy and Luke to show where Luke is coming from. But it's not, and it's frustrating because that that would have that would have given Luke so much more depth. Depth just feels like a, a depth. Luke currently just feels like a cardboard cutout villain. First book, kind of alright, but he's <laughs> he's just gotten worse. He has no purpose anymore, other than just being the big bad that you're gonna have to fight eventually. Like that's all he is. That's that's an Ozai. Ozai villains are crap like they serve no purpose other than being the big boss fight at the end of the story ha- Luke needs to be in Azula is what I'm saying here he needs to be in Azula or Azahir but we we don't get that with Luke he just occasionally feels like a petulant teenager or young adult or whatever age he is and like that's not interesting I went a little bit off topic here to the Gary Stu moment so not many people are going to agree with me here but Percy feels like Gary Stewart at a certain point where he's suddenly able to do things without any training, without any support, or just kind of just doing it instantly and struggling, no, no struggle whatsoever. And he has this here when he's fighting Grayon, I think his name is. Like, he even says he doesn't know how to use a bow and arrow. He's not good at archery. And yet he manages with a single shot, just saying a blessing to Apollo and Artemis like you know guys help me out here and they manages to shoot the perfect arrow shot to kill Grayon with it going th- all th- through all three of his hearts I'm like this just feels like a cheap way to kill a monster that firstly why did he have to fight Grayon why did Grayon have to be like that like the, why there's no point to it Ah. But to get onto the whole Greyon situation, let's move into fight scenes. I'm okay. I'm getting really tired of fight scenes, if I'm honest. Other than the Gary Stu sort of lucky shot bow and arrow situation, there are just far too many fight scenes right now, just in general. And I'm going to get into that again, literally in the next chapter. Bloody hell! This one was also just it just didn't read very well. Like it was so direct and uninteresting in the fight itself because nothing was happening and nothing happened with the swords like the initial stab of Grayon was a surprise because he doesn't die and nothing happens and then we get the explanation of like hey man I got three hearts you can't kill me but then the rest that follows is just boring because Percy just keeps doing it he keeps just stabbing random places and I'm like me he's, he's just told you he can't die because he's got three hearts and then you do just, the whole fight in general was boring, it was unimportant, and there's just no point to the scene in general. It's just a fight for fight sake. And those are never interesting. No fight that just randomly happens with no significance to the plot, story, or even even if it doesn't need that, they need to the fight needs to be interesting in general, and this one wasn't. So not only does it have no significance to the story, it has no interest in the actual fight scene itself. I don't know if anyone here watches Shadowversity or even watched Hello Future Me's um, Breaking Down Fight Scenes video. 
those are good uses of fight scenes and examples of fight scenes and how to use fight scenes. And while the Percy Jackson series does have some really good ones like that, things like this with Grace, oh Grayson, not Grayon, I don't know. They're just boring. And you don't want a boring fight scene. Fight scenes are meant to be intense and interesting and like not thought provoking, but they're supposed to draw you into them. And this just doesn't happen. And because there are so many of them, it's just a recurring theme. And it's just, it's irritating. It's really irritating. Um, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, let's move on to the next chapter because I could probably go on for a while and I probably already have. So, let's go on to chapter 10. We play the game show of death. I'm just going to say straight here, I don't understand this title because the, the, this doesn't happen, I don't think. Um, or at least it doesn't feel that, I don't know. Anyway, this, this is the overview for chapter 10. Seriously, why, why is no one trying to do anything about Minos? Bianca returns and speaks straight facts, not that anyone appreciates it. And yes, I'm talking to both Nico and the fans. Nico's got some anger and denial issues and has drawn the attention of Kronos a little too much. Ah, and it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for in the game for more plot, convenience, prophecy and history dreams. Come on up, Daedalus and Luke. That's my idea of trying to be a game show of death. <laughs> Percy boy, you've seen worse things than a man killing his nephew. How is this one worse than everything else that you've seen and done? Like, seriously. With Nico collecting his thoughts, Alforo go in search of Hephaestus. Then Alabeth acts like a smart, dumb person and nearly gets everyone killed. And that's the overview for Chapter 10. We play the game show of death. Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> let's just dive on in. And we're going to start up with story because... Once again, as you, if you can't tell from my game show mockery, we are given information instead of earning or being drip-fed drip, drip it. Minos mentioned that Daedalus is a murderer in the exact same chapter. We learn that this is true, who he killed, why and how. Like... What is the point of this? You're being told and given the exact same information in the same chapter. And also, what is the point of his story at all? Why are we getting his backstory in dream visions? Like, okay, obviously, I've read the books. I have read the books in their entirety 14 times since I bought the books. Even now, I don't know the point of this story at all. There is no reason for it, even knowing the story. I don't get the point of being told and shown Daedalus's backstory. Why not have Annabeth talk about it? That would have been so much more interesting because she loves this guy's work and probably because she loves Daedalus and his work and what he's done and his inventions she probably knows his story so she would know probably everything about him because she is a brain box she would also know everything about Minos because again she knows her Greek 
But even when she mentions that, I can't even something about Minos being a bad guy. Something she mentioned. She has like one line where she mentions that, and it's brushed off. And I'm like, but she's right. Minos is a dick. Don't pay attention to him. So she'd be more involved in it by talking about and bringing up the stories of Daedalus and what he did and what he's done and who he was and all these sort of things and probably about Minos as well because like Minos and Daedalus intertwine so she she would be able to be more involved in the story talking about this because even though this is her quest and yes reminder the battle of the labyrinth is meant to be Annabeth Chase's quest not Percy's but she's been sidelined in the story and in the quest. Percy has basically become the de facto leader without having the leader title. And yes, I know it's because he's the protagonist of the story, but if you can't write a story where they are following someone else's lead and we get that interaction between it with him being the second following in a quest, I'm sorry, but that is just, that's not good writing. If you can't have your character still be a second in a group that's oh my god like it sh- you should be able to write a story with someone else being the leader of a group like it's not that difficult it shouldn't be that difficult but apparently it is admittedly not many pe- writers seem to be able to do it very well like I can't actually think of anywhere that someone is taking the lead in a situation um oh no i can actually son of achilles son of achilles patroculus is our lead character but he is not the hero achilles is and it's written really well something similar to that could be could have been done for percy in terms of following annabeth's lead but no he's taken over and the story is letting him take over but to get into annabeth actually um because I'm, I'm really peeved with how badly she's being portrayed in this book at the moment. And in the in the last couple of months, just how she's portrayed in general. I don't like her, her portrayal. But in Battle of the Labyrinth, I think she's really getting done dirty. Because, of course, we don't have Annabeth doing anything the last two, three chapters. But in the last of this chapter, she does the dumbest bloody thing I've ever seen. And of course, the the biggest problem is she's meant to be intelligent and actually have senses of common sense. But she doesn't. So why, for the love of the gods, would she argue with a monster that is their key to getting through the labyrinth? Because the questions that are being asked aren't what she wanted. I'm sorry. I know hubris is her thing and she's like oh it's an insult to my intelligence but she's leading a quest a quest that she's desperately wanted to lead wants to pursue is following a mechanical creature to get to Hephaestus that if she doesn't answer these questions they'll lose that spider and that she causes a fight with the sphinx because they're asking general trivial questions and then she refuses to answer them which means nearly everyone is attacked by the sphinx and like what was the point? No, I know what the point of this scene was. It was to have another bloody monster fight. Stop it. Like, that. 
There was no reason for this to happen whatsoever other than to firstly ruin Annabeth's character apparently because that's the thing that's happening in this book. Annabeth is becoming a bloody idiot and someone who really doesn't understand how to be a leader which is ridiculous because actually she has been a leader. She leads in the uh, god that captured the flag, she's done lots of leading the party, she's, she's incredibly competent more competent than Percy and yet somehow she's being made into an idiot and shown all of her failures all of which are being pointed out by Percy I will point out um and it's happening again she's failing them now and it's being pointed out to her and she's the one being put in the wrong I'm like why why is this happening like it's really irritating to me because Annabeth is a really interesting character and she's just being screwed over by the writing in this book. She's being made out to be jealous, petty, rude, idiotic. I just, I don't understand. Like, she was never like this in the past. You know, she has, she's been prejudiced in the past, as we know, and that definitely should have been called out more. We should have been more aware of the reason behind it, but that doesn't justify the actions. No, the reason doesn't justify the action but have the reason there but now she's just becoming an idiot i don't understand the point of it i don't there is no point to it well actually no i do know the point of it and it's because of what's going to happen later in the book which makes this even worse oh my god i'm getting really i'm getting fed up If we can't tell, Better of the Labyrinth has always been my least liked book in general because I always felt like it did screw Annabeth's character and characterisation and growth over so hard for no reason other than to cause romantic drama, to have Percy be the hero again, because it's not like he's the hero in every bloody book in the first place. But why doesn't she have more of a role in this book? It's her quest. Give her more of a role. Get rid of these bloody Daedalus backstories that are completely insignificant to the plot and story and have Annabeth have this information. Give her a role. Give her a role in this book. Please. One that actually makes her a valuable member to the team because we're not getting that right now and it's really annoying me. I've had enough. So I'm going to finish up here. So to finish up, if you can't tell, I'm fed up with these chapters. We'll see how this goes, but I uh, I know what's coming soon, and I'm uh, I can't I can't. So <laughs> let's finish up with the question of the episode. Just because I'm complaining a lot about how I feel that Annabeth is being done dirty in this book, I want to know: Do you guys feel that Annabeth as a character changed a lot in Battle of the Labyrinth? or is it just me so that was the question obviously that will go up on all our social media uh email me if you've got your own thoughts about that and yeah i'm I'm intrigued to see what you guys think about whether or not annabeth has changed as a person in this in this book or if she feels like she's changed a lot so um yeah that will be this week's question of the episode now before i carry on let's just not so i will sign off here and i want to thank you guys so much for joining me for the battle of the labyrinth be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue our my journey 
To plug away, you can find our podcast. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and Deezer. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Time Camp on various social media, our Best Time Camp Pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdimecamp at hotmail.com and I'll read it out at the end of the show. If you want to support me making this content, check me out on Patreon at A Healthy Dose of Fran and check out my YouTube channel at A Healthy Dose of Fran too for more Percy Jackson content and drop me a follow on my personal social media at A Dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Again, thank you for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter. And I'll see slash speak to you guys next time. Please no more fight scenes. <laughs>